Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our past may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey friends, thank you for joining me on another special episode of the Awesome Inside Out podcast. If you're here, chances are you've probably been on this journey for a while and you may have hit some points with your health and your body where you're wondering, when does this get any easier? Where is the relief? I hear you and I get it. I've been researching holistic health modalities since I was a teen and I've learned through my own journey that healing is 100% different for everyone and it by no means is a straight linear path. One of the greatest gifts that we can give ourselves is patience. That's why today I'm so excited for this special guest, Vanessa Fitzgerald, who is a certified health coach and nutrition response testing practitioner based in Los Angeles. Vanessa specializes in women's hormones, autoimmune, acne, eating disorders, detox from meds, and the list goes on and on. Today, she's going to share her journey to health, the steps it took, and why even in her darkest times, she continued to strive for true well-being. I'm so, so excited because Vanessa is also going to share some knowledge on a new healing modality called nutritional response testing and how it might be a good fit for you. Whether you've heard about this concept or not, I know you're going to love her and all of her wisdom. All right, friends, let's dive right in. Hey, Vanessa, welcome to the show. I'm so, so excited to have you today. Oh, hey, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you. I'm so excited to share your journey and all the amazing things that you're doing as a health coach, a natural food chef, a yoga teacher. You're just an overall wellness wizard. So stoked to have you. I remember when I had interviewed you back for beauty and well-being, I was so fascinated by the work that you do. And since then, a lot of that has transformed to even more amazing holistic and well-being protocols. So I'm really excited to dive in. And I was thinking that maybe we could start with a little bit about your background because I know that this journey to finding your own health, like myself working in fashion for many, many years, wasn't an overnight sort of (laughs) experience. So I would love to hear, yeah, a little bit about how you got to the place you are today, where now you're working with women all over, well, women and men all over basically LA coming to you probably from all over the world and basically have a full practice of clients. So uh, yeah, I'd love to hear about that. And I'm sure sure everyone else would as well. Yeah. So health has always been sort of my passion or my calling, one would say. So you know how some people are born with a talent to sing and some are born with a natural disposition to be an athlete. I was 13 and was breaking out in crazy acne and had crazy hormonal anxiety and all sorts of fun stuff. And I just, I think I was reading like a tabloid magazine and saw like, oh, Demi Moore's doing raw vegan and -and so-and-so's doing colonics and things like that. So I started to become very fascinated by things in the health world, but my family, well, health wasn't a thing when I was a kid. It wasn't trendy. It wasn't, I think yoga just 
started, like some yoga studios just started to open in Los Angeles. So I was kind of an outcast for my hobby because I would bring like, you know, steamed fish and veggies to school for lunch, which is odd for a 16 year old in high school. So my passion started then. Then when I had gone to NYU for college, I was on a bunch of prescription medications and I had just left high school thinking like, who am I? I don't know what I want to do with my life. I feel like no one understands me. I don't even understand myself. And I had gotten scouted for modeling then and I was living in New York. And so I thought, oh, well, this is better than school (laughs) at the time. Mm-hmm. So I dropped out and became a full-time model at the time with an agency called IMG in New York. And thus began more of an unhealthy relationship with food in my body and diet, just because I am short for your typical model. I'm five foot seven. And so the shorter you are, like the more they want to cheat your length. So it was a lot of like lose weight, slim down, a lot of manipulation of my body in its natural state. So I would try like different crash diets and then I would go all vegan and then I would restrict here and there and work out a zillion times a day to the point where it was no longer sustainable. And I just realized that I was deeply unhappy and unfulfilled in my daily work. So I quit the modeling uh, world and then started to explore other options. And were you, I know that you had mentioned before, we've talked about having celiac disease and PCOS. And was that something that changing your diet, was that during your teenage years or was that during the modeling industry? And how did your relationship with food shift those diagnoses? So I got diagnosed with PCOS at age 19 and I was modeling at the time. I didn't realize that PCOS was an insulin resistance issue. So Mm -hmm. what would happen was if I were to have like one piece of cake or a cookie with regular sugar in it, my blood sugar would just skyrocket and I would start to shake and I would fiend for it like a crack addict. And my whole body would just go completely insane. And I looked crazy doing it. I'll never forget. There was like a Thanksgiving dinner where I just like was losing it. Like I could not stop eating the sugar. And I had to be literally physically removed from the table. And that's when I was diagnosed with PCOS. So when that happened, I was definitely, thus began my obsession with absolutely no sugar. Mm. So I, to this day, like throughout the years, I would lose my way and then I would have dessert on vacation and then it would be like dessert every night. But I was also on a pharmaceutical drug that would help with the insulin resistance issue, but I, but I didn't want to be on that drug anymore. So now since I'm not on any drugs, I am very, very, very strict on my sugar intake if I have any at all. Yeah. And so was that a process of cut, like how many years did it take to really make that shift? Was it like a gradual thing? Cause I know when you were coming out of the fashion industry, obviously a lot of the relationship with food shifted, but I'm just curious if that was like a gradual process or if it was something that you were like, okay, I'm just going to cut sugar immediately or if it took some time to get off of the prescription. I wouldn't say it was gradual because at the time there wasn't so much knowledge around sugar and the fact that look like, yes, different sugars, hit our bloodstream at different speeds. But at the end of the day, our body doesn't discriminate between the sugars. Meaning if you have white sugar or coconut sugar or fruit sugar, it still metabolizes the same way. So your body's not like, oh, this is coconut sugar. I'm going to pee this out 
and this is white sugar. I'm going to store this. So just at the end of the day, it's all sugar. Mm-hmm. So I would have my moments of like the agave trend and then like eating a ton of agave thinking it's healthy and then wondering why my skin's still breaking out. And then I, then it was coconut sugar. And I'm like, coconut sugar is a free food, mm-hmm. that type of thing. So I was learning as I went. And then I would just finally, like the more I would research, because I would obsess over it was always vanity first and foremost, for sure. When I would learn about this stuff, like, oh, you know, I'm gaining weight or I'm breaking out or just coming from the modeling industry, it's very hard to step away from that vain mindset. Mm-hmm. So that would be like the catalyst. Like if something would happen, then I would do more research. Then I realized, well, it's all sugar. I'm just going to give it all up. So that's how the gradual transition went. Yeah, I think that's such an important thing to acknowledge most of the time, the pain point or the entry point is the ego, right? It's like we're coming in from that place. And then we're like doing the more of the research and we see that the research actually is what and actually making the decision to shift our relationship with food or to change our diet is actually what's making the impact for our well-being and for our healthiest version of us. So I'm curious, was the shift, the mindset shifts that took place from the time you left the industry How long did that take to really say, okay, I'm doing this, right? I'm acting, I'm choosing these foods, I'm creating this relationship with food from a place of self-love, self-worth, self-esteem. Because I know you now and your relationship with food and I, we have these conversations a lot and we were just joking the other day about, wow, think we were laughing. We were like, oh my gosh, the place that we were in several years ago is not even close to where we are now. But I think people often forget that they look at people who are in the wellness space and think that it was like an overnight shift. So I'm just curious what it was for you and how long it took to really create that new relationship with food where it was about well-being and not necessarily the ego or the vanity side of it. I think that throughout your 20s, I tell this to my clients that are in their 20s and they come and they look, they're on the verge of tears all the time. 20s is a huge learning and growing experience. And I think we're, we're learning what self-love and self-esteem and self-worth is. So regardless of it, whether my food was on point one month or an or not. I'd say my 20s were, for me, a lot about finding that deep sense of self-worth and self-love because I didn't have a ton of self-esteem. And that would translate in yo-yo dieting or restricting or things like that. And it didn't necessarily come from a place of like thinking about my internal organs and my cells Mm -hmm. until I hit, I want to say... 27 probably 26 or 27 probably Mm -hmm. 27 and my health started to decline again in other ways and I realized like a protein shake for dinner every night is not a meal and certain ways that I was eating and living my life were not conducive to actually being happy Mm -hmm. and so I then shifted my my focus less on vanity and more on joy. How do I find joy? Mm-hmm. And joy and freedom also in food and living and accepting myself for for who I am. So that took a few years. And I I think just being actively like going to different healers, I always say there's no one guru, community mm-hmm. is the new guru, mm-hmm. learning more about my body and my own healing journey and how eating whole healthy foods would bring 
more joy to my mindset because we know that the gut now is the is the second brain mm-hmm. rather than creating a state of anxiety through the weird processed foods that I was eating that may be like, you know, oh, this is like figure friendly. Mm-hmm. So I think when I hit 30, that's when I was like, I finally had like, I don't want to say mastered. We're always mastering our health. I think we're, mm-hmm. I'm constantly on a health journey, but that's when I was like, okay, I'm eating this because I feel good. Right. This makes me feel good, proud, secure, happy, you know, sane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I noticed that there's less of the like feeling like you have to do it and more of just like the discipline comes because we know the repercussions or we know the benefits based on the choices that we're making, right? And the more that you continue to step into that, I think the easier it becomes where people think that they don't have discipline or they don't have willpower, but really it's about just finding what works for your body and then that choice is easy. And so, and it take, and, and that process, that experimentation phase and really figuring out what works for you does take time. Have you found that there's any like staples to your health and well-being that you're like, wow, I've seen this with my clients that these are just actual staples of health. I mean, we talk a lot about like meditation and mindfulness and clean food. But are there any other things that you've seen that be really beneficial that people are cutting corners on? Yeah, how they're eating and when they're eating. So I find that we're in a fast-paced society now. And there was a guy that spoke at one of your events that said that we're becoming increasingly more impatient and demanding. Mm -hmm. And with that, we're working all the time. And the more connected we are online, the more disconnected we are in person. So a lot of my clients are eating their meals while flipping through Instagram or reading emails, eating while simultaneously working or scrolling social media. And I find that that is actually disrupting their digestion sometimes more so than the food that they're actually eating. Yeah. So they've become, they're in like this fight or flight mode. They see a post on Instagram that makes them feel less than or upset or whatever it is. And their digestion shuts down because your body just, we're no longer being chased by lions, tigers, and bears like we were way back in the day. Now it's, you know, we're being chased by that email or that post or that DM or that text. Mm-hmm. or that person not responding to us. And until I find, I try and tell my clients, like when you go to eat, you have to really make it an enjoyable, peaceful experience and allow yourself to chew your food, taste the food, be with the food. Otherwise, you know, that stress response can kill you before whatever's on your plate. Right. Understand and understanding, even I think going the next level, of like understanding where the food came from and being grateful and blessing it and just holding space for the fact that you get to choose what's on your plate. And a hundred percent. That part of the day should be one of the most sacred experiences experiences. And I'm in complete agreement that like, whether you're eating 30 minutes, three times a day, that hour and a half should be a sacred part of your day. It should be one of the most consciously chosen and sacred experiences because we can't cut out food, right? It's part of our experience. And so we should make it loving and joyful and, you know, be grateful that we get to make that choice, which I find, I do see that a lot with my clients as well, that they're just eating, you know, even in New York, it's like I see people walking in it with a salad while they're walking, you know, on the, eating on the subway. It's like, as they're walking, it's comical. And it's also like, okay, we really have to create a shift. Otherwise we're losing touch with the very thing that is nourishing us. And so, yeah, I agree that that's a huge, huge problem. But I also think it's one of the easiest fixes. 
And so it doesn't cost any more to take that extra time or to sit down. And it's a simple fix if we're conscious and aware of it. So that's totally incredible. And I was wondering, you've recently shared a lot about your Adderall addiction. And I wanted to dive into that just a little bit because I too was on Adderall for quite some time, which completely destroyed my life. And I know that it's very challenging to get off. And I'm just curious what your experience was and how you really shifted your relationship to medicine and making a conscious choice to change your life in that regard, because it's such a sensitive topic. And I know it's triggering and messy, but I think it's something that is worth having a conversation about? Yes. So for me, I had just turned 30 and I was on, I think, two pharmaceutical drugs left, which were meant for my PCOS and Adderall. And I had already gone off of antidepressants at 21 and then like Xanax and Ambien at 25 and then Fernalactone I went off at 27. These were like the last two drugs left and I was 30 and just not, my life just wasn't where I wanted it to be. Meaning I didn't know where my career was going at the time. I felt super lost in what I was doing in wellness and, and partnership wise, you know, I was single and just freshly out of yet another relationship. And I just thought, as we all do, even though comparison is the thief of joy, I would compare myself to certain people that I look up to and I respect and I admire, or perhaps they had a situation that like they had a great company and a husband. And I'm like, how do I get that? And these people all had joy in common, not like just temporary happiness and inner joy that radiated from them. And I sat there and thought about it. And I'm like, there's no way that they are on an amphetamine, which is speed. Like they're not taking popping a drug all day long to rely on it in order to function. And perhaps this drug is indeed affecting my ability to work and relate in the real world as a present human being. So that's when I decided I wanted to go off Adderall. But I wasn't even, I had tried before to detox off, but it was more of like a, you know, I'll just tell like the person that I'm dating at the time, like that, oh, I'm going to try to get off this drug. I didn't realize how serious it was. So I would always fail. This time, I just, I thought of it as life or death. Like I had no other option. There was no other way out because I had done all the things like the life coaching, the therapy, the ayahuasca, mm. the, all this stuff. And I'm like, why am I still not where I want to be? And this was the one thing I hadn't changed. And so that was when I decided to go off the Adderall. And was there a fear for that? Like, did it take, I'm, I'm assuming for myself included, I remember dumping my Adderall down the toilet and having a conversation with my doctor around it and just saying, I can't continue doing this. But I'm curious for you, was that a step of courage? Like, was there, was it the last thing because there was that fear under it? Or have you pieced or recognized that there was a story that you were holding on to with that medication? Or I'm just curious, because a lot of times we hold on to write that fear of letting something go that's actually going to improve our health. Oh, yeah. Because I would hear horror stories about people that were on Adderall for X number of years. And oh, my metabolism completely shut down and I gained 50 pounds. I'm like, what do you mean 50 pounds? Mm. They're like, and I can't lose it. I absolutely cannot lose it. And I gained 50 pounds. And that's that. And I was like, Oh, my God, I've destroyed my body. I can never be on it. And then I was like, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, if I want kids one day, and I'm taking amphetamine, what happens to craft babies when Mm -hmm. somebody has, you know what I mean? Like, that can't be 
like too far off. Like there's going to be something wrong with my child or like, what about my ability to connect on an intimate level? If I go off of it, am I going to be able to stay awake at night and go on a date? Am I going to be able to, you know, go away on vacation and hang out at the beach all day and still go out to dinner and party at night because I love to dance. I love to go out. But what happens if I'm not popping my Adderall? Am I going to be able to stay awake? Mm -hmm. Things like that. Will I be able to work? Um, Those were all huge concerns of mine. So that was really preventing me. Yeah. And then what was, so the final mindset was just, it's this or nothing. And then what did the transition look like for you coming off of it? Yeah, I thought that it's this or nothing. And I also believe that the body has an incredible ability to heal itself. And if I believe that, I was like, why am I telling myself these bullshit stories? Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. Yeah, yeah, swear. These these BS stories. And I also knew that if I don't share this with somebody or everyone, I will never actually follow through which is so true. Because if I have a way to cheat, like, unfortunately, not cheat other people, but cheat myself, Mm -hmm. I will. If it's about cheating other people, I just can't, I can't Mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. So I had to make it about that. And then I filmed myself for four days thinking like, maybe I'll share this story. Because I would see girls share their story about depression. And I found it like really inspiring. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing one woman saying, a lot of people are just scrolling through Instagram and Facebook looking for courage. I'm like, what if I can do something courageous? And so I filmed myself, but I was really nervous to post about it because my mother is about like share personal stuff in public. What if I have a zero career in health? What if no one ever trusts me again? What if I start getting hate mail? I was very, very nervous. And so I asked a few respected friends of mine, And then I told my mom and my mom was like, I think you should do it. I was floored. Wow. And so that's when I was like, all right, I guess I'm doing this. And I posted the first video and I had no idea what I had set myself up for. None. I had like 3000 followers and like 800 DMs. It was insane. And that's when I was like, there, oh, there's no turning back now. <laughs> this, is, this train has pulled out of the station. I'm screwed. I can't turn back if I want to. Yeah. And so from the women that were connecting with you over your relationship with Adderall and coming off of it and sharing your story with depression and anxiety and just who you had become on it, that's where the window of opportunity had opened up to really create this impact. And so then after that, did you used to continue to share the, like, the next video and the next video or what was kind of the next next? Yeah, step? I went 30 days and mm-hmm. I had men and women reaching out to me constantly, sharing their stories, sharing this, like telling me like, oh my God, I didn't think about this. I can't believe you're actually doing this. Um, and thus began my 30-day journey. And at first, a lot of it was about neurohacking and like trying to like biohack my own body. And then it became less about the biohacking and more about sharing the difference in feeling that I had and my experience of living off of it as opposed to on it and Mm -hmm. what I was bringing into my life. And I stopped obsessing so much about biohacking myself to death. And I started focusing more on things like foods and gut health and being present in the moment and like really allowing 
like really feeling joy. Like it, mm-hmm. I was feeling joy on another level. Like sometimes I would like be so happy. I would just start crying mm-hmm. because I didn't, because it's a new feeling of joy. Mm-hmm. You know, now I can tap into that. I send, I feel it all the time. I still have terrible depressing days, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like the joy that I feel is just like a joy that I, I don't think I've experienced since I was maybe a child. Yeah, it's so interesting. I had such a similar experience with Adderall at the time. Hey there, friend. Are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never, ever miss any details of our new projects, products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also going to get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. I was taking several prescription medications and I remember waking up one day and just thinking, who have I become? Like, who have I become? And my current, my current husband was like, I had made a commitment, like you said to him that I was like, I'm not ever going back on Adderall. And it was kind of this promise, you know, and I said, if I relapse or I have a desire to at some point, which I haven't had luckily in many, many years, but I said that I will sit down and have a conversation or I will get help. And it was, yeah, making that commitment to someone else. Like, and it was the same with sharing my story of breast implant illness online. It was like, I was like, okay, it's out there. It's done. Like, no going back. And as soon as I did, it was like this healing opportunity of, well, it's out there and the truth is out there. And the fact that I had implants and I went down that road and all of the fears that I had, like the outcome of the positivity that came back was so beneficial, I think, in my own healing process because I was like, I'm not alone in this. Other people need support. And although it's not my my job to tell them what to do or not to do, I can point them in the direction of saying, you have to trust your intuition and get the right support. I think that's all we can do, right? Is really begin to lead by the example of trusting our own intuition and becoming our own advocates for our health. And so... I'm like in awe and it's so wild, right? To look back and think, okay, where did we come from? Especially working in health. And if you're listening, I think it's important to just remember, like we have to honor everyone's journey where they are because Mm -hmm. where I am today and where you are today is very, very different. And luckily I feel very supported. I'm sure you do too, in terms of your community and so forth. But I think it's everyone's job to really share in allowing people to be where they are. Um, Did you get any backlash at all? Or was there any moments where you were like, I wish I didn't share this? No, it's funny because I would even have ex-boyfriends reach out to me out of the blue, like either congratulating me and saying that they were proud of me to like an ex-boyfriend who was on a different focus med going like, you've inspired me. I stopped taking my drug, I realized it made me a really angry, horrible person. So it was super rewarding. I I actually didn't have any backlash other than, look, I think that when you're vocal about something and you have a very strong opinion about something, anything in life, it can trigger other people. Mm -hmm. So I still, to this day, because I am so outspoken, 
spoken about the drug, I trigger, when I say trigger though, it's like one out of a hundred. So Mm -hmm. those people though, I mean, they get really defensive and really crazy with their messages to me Mm -hmm. because they're suffering themselves at the end of the day. And I think I'm triggering something that they're having a really hard time with. So I always try and be as loving about it. And I'm just honest. I'm like, this is my opinion. This is my personal platform. This is my opinion. I don't claim to be a doctor about this subject, but I'm speaking from personal experience. I'm speaking from my experience with other clients. And I try to be as loving and supportive as possible because, I mean, I'm sure if back in the day at the height of my Adderall use, someone were to come up to me and be like, you are a meth head. Mm-hmm. I would have been like, what are you talking about? Excuse you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, so yeah, I try to, that's the only time I ever get a negative response yeah. and it's from somebody I've triggered. Yeah. I think back to like probably the amount of people that reached out to me. I remember one of a family member who is like a distant relative and had reached out. They, they saw a picture of me on Facebook and they had reached out about my eating issues. And like, at the time I was just so defensive about it. Like I couldn't even hear them and they didn't mean anything wrong by it. But it was like, I remember being so triggered by their message to me. And I'm sure it came from a loving place, but it didn't feel that, like that in the moment. And so I think any moment that you hear something on a podcast or you read something or you... Um, you come across something that doesn't doesn't sit well with you, we have the opportunity in that moment to say, what is it triggering in me? What is the wound in me that is coming forward in, at this time? Or if I'm just in disagreement of it, can I hold love and compassion for that not being my truth? And so there's two opportunities. There's the opportunity to, to look at the wound in yourself and then the opportunity to just say, wow, I respect that someone else has a different truth than my own. And so I think that, but it's also amazing. I think it's, so incredible. And I encourage everyone like that I meet. It's like when it's your time, share your story because as we continue to, it's creating a ripple effect for sure. I see it in our communities and I see it across Instagram where there's just a trust in the people that are actually being authentic and connecting from their own their own space of wounding, right? And their own place of where they have, have come from. So it's really, really incredible that you did that. And in the transition to the work you're doing today, which I wanted to dive into because I think this nutritional response testing, which I would love for you to share about that you're currently doing and is so profound and so incredible. And I didn't know, like I did the muscle testing when I was a kid and my parents were really woo-woo and they like were always taking us to these different naturopaths and doctors. But I remember as a kid getting muscle testing and being like, this is so cool. But yet no one as a kid, like none of my other friends like knew about it and they all thought it was like so strange. And now it's very, very normal and common to do muscle testing. And so, um, yeah, I would love to hear more about that and, you know, defining it for the, for the listeners. Cause, cause it's definitely something I think can be very, very supportive with, with shifting your well-being. Totally. So when my health started to decline again, I was on a big search for answers of healing. So I was told that I had the beginning of cataracts at 26 and I was getting crazy dizzy spells and all sorts of like weird skin rashes and all kinds of stuff. So I first studied live blood, urine and saliva analysis in Chicago thinking like, okay, this is going to let me like see blood, see my blood, see others' blood. Perhaps this is what I'll dedicate my life to. But I couldn't see a difference in my own system from 
looking at my blood under a microscope and then, you know, going, oh, this looks like a parasite. This looks like fungus, stuff like that. So I kind of just took that knowledge and thought, okay, great. I learned something new, but this isn't helping me. So what am I going to do next? So I had stumbled across nutrition response testing and I had heard about muscle testing before, Mm. but I found muscle testing incredibly inaccurate. Mm. Um, so when I when I heard about nutrition response testing and I asked someone, I was like, is this muscle testing? She said, no, mm. it's a form of muscle testing, but muscle testing does not check the autonomic nervous system. We have a very specific protocol and a very specific school dedicated to this. And a lot of people like try and create their own and whatever it is, but it's nutrition response testing was founded by one guy and that this is a woman that had gone through the entire program. So I thought, okay, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot for my Mm -hmm. own health. And it was, I find, I found it to be miraculous. It was the only thing, the only thing in all my life that had literally changed my life. Like cataracts gone, did not have a cataract food allergies solved. Like anything was fixed. If I had a bladder infection, I would go to her. If I had the flu, I would go to her. Dizzy spells, I would go to her. Acne, anything whatsoever. My hair was falling out in chunks at one point. Crazy stuff always happening. And this was the one modality that would constantly heal me. And I was just like, this is crazy. This is what I want to do. So I became obsessed with trying to get into the school and, you know, trying to figure out how I myself can become a practitioner. So nutrition response testing, we work first and foremost with the autonomic nervous system. So the autonomic nervous system basically runs everything in our body. It's like walk, talk, blink, chew. So if that's out of whack, and it's also sleep, don't sleep, if that's completely out of whack, then nothing is running the way that it should. So we first test the autonomic nervous system to see if it's running properly. We want parasympathetic, which is night-night, sympathetic fight or flight to be in the right place at the right time, as well as checking to see if our nervous system is blocked by anything, meaning like any foods or supplements we're taking are not actually absorbing into our cells. So we check the nervous system and then that's when we start to look for the underlying causes of issues. So we use frequency kits of things like parasites, uh, fungus, bacteria, virus, heavy metal food allergies to help to see what, what is actually irritating the body or is nothing irritating the body and there's just an organ that is stressed out and needs help. And then we use whole food supplements and homeopathic remedies to help bring the body back into homeostasis or balance so that the body is running efficiently and effectively. And since it is just whole food supplements, mm-hmm. um, it is a longer healing process. Some people achieve healing pretty fast, but you know we lose thousands of cells a day and it takes 90 days for a new cell to regenerate. And a new cell regenerates by pulling from the nutrients in our food, in our diet. As Papakri said, let food be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food. But unfortunately, we don't sit and eat like the most perfectly balanced meals that are 100% organic all day, every day. And even if we did, our soil, especially in the U.S., is nutrient deficient now. We've got a lot of like runoff into our soil fields from different chemicals, stuff being sprayed in the air, cross-contamination, all sorts of crazy stuff happening. So therefore, we have to help feed ourselves. And if we don't have the right nutrients, we build defective cells. So we start to feed the cells in my practice over time so the cells start functioning the way that they should be. Hmm. 
It's incredible. What are some common symptoms that you've been treating or that you've seen significant? I mean, obviously from, it's not really treating, it's basically like just supporting people in in creating the shift, but um, what are some things that you've seen that people have really overcome with their own wellness? Yeah. So we don't treat, prevent, or diagnose or cure. Mm -hmm. All we do is just help the body heal itself. So I see a lot of skin rashes, like, Mm. I mean, eczema, psoriasis, weird bumps on the body, you name it, like everybody's got some sort of rash these days. So that's a huge thing people come into me for. Another thing is anxiety and depression. Another one is a lot of like gut issues. So whether they're bloated or they have gas or, you know, all the fun stuff, diarrhea, constipation, lots of gut issues, mm-hmm. as well as hormonal imbalances. So they, it's funny because I'll have mainly women, they'll come in until right on their sheet of like chief complaints, like hormones. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, great. What does hormones mean to you? I don't know. Just something's wrong with my hormones. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, what do you think is wrong with your hormones? I don't know. Just my hormones are off. <laughs> it's so funny. We as women are so quick to blame our hormones. And yeah. usually nine out of 10 of those people don't have a hormonal issue. Mm. It's something else. Mm. Some yes, have hormonal issues. But it's very funny to see, you know, we as women, it, it sucks because our hormones do change. Like our bodies change weekly, like our food sensitivities change weekly, depending on what we're eating and not eating. But as women, it's like this pressure with our hormones and all of this stuff. And that anxiety around the hormones alone is shifting our hormones. Mm -hmm. So that is a huge topic that I think eventually like more and more people are going to start to dive into. I mean, the vagina is trending right now. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I do see this a lot in my practice. Yeah. It's so crazy. Like I've done it many times where I see something online and it's like, well and good tells you that X amount of women have this. And then we start self-diagnosing and we start creating fear in our body and we start having this anxiety and the stress. And that doesn't mean that you don't meditate and trust your intuition that something could be wrong. But I think because we're constantly bombarded by all of this media that says, you know, this amount of women are getting sick and the, this type of hormone treatments are now available. And that, you know, it's like, it's like we're constantly in sort of this self-diagnosis experience where we're constantly questioning our own body instead of just taking taking a moment, disconnecting, connecting within, and then getting actual expert advice or medical advice or going to a functional or integrative doctor. And then we go in with so much fear that something's wrong before we even have any testing done. And what I've seen a lot of times is where we have symptoms that aren't recognized by traditional medical testing. And so we have these symptoms and then we're told that nothing's wrong And then we go home and we're like, should I trust my symptom or should I not? And then we continue to self-diagnose, right? So it's this whole, yeah, yeah, this whole process of really, really looking at, and I think it's so powerful what you're doing because I have a belief that food definitely heals. And and when our bodies are meant to be in balance, they're meant to be in homeostasis. So we have to bring them back into that state. Um, And food is one of the most powerful ways to do that. And so I'm curious, are there practitioners that do this nutrition response testing certified all over the country or where can people get this testing done if they're not in LA and can't come see you? Yeah. So I would look up the ULAN Institute, U-L-A-N, and find out if you can't like Google a nutrition response testing practitioner near you, or if you're unsure if they're actually qualified to do this, um, you want to make sure that they went to this particular school because they're the ones that invented the protocol. 
Mm-hmm. So um, I would call them and ask them like, hey, do you have a, a practitioner who has gone through your program that lives in this area to see if there's somebody to help? And look, at the end of the day, you know, if nutrition response testing you feel isn't changing your body, but you know, don't give up, like continue on the health journey. Like everybody has a find their way and mm-hmm. different people swear by different modalities. And mm-hmm. I tell this people all the time, the only reason, like it's not a glamorous job, but the only reason why I decided to even become a practitioner and spend, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on training is because it is the only modality that changed my life. Mm-hmm. And because of that, that's when I was just like, I have to do this. That doesn't mean that it is the end all be all by any means for everyone. So I am also a huge fan, again, of if you're going to try something, A, really try it, give it like the full shot in that one modality before you start spreading out. You're like, oh, I'm going to go to this healer one day and then the other one the next and that type of thing. Then you get too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Try a modality. If it works, great. Like after you've given it a go. If it doesn't, like, don't give up. The body does have an incredible ability to heal itself. And there's so many different healing modalities out there now. So Mm -hmm. just continue your search. It's all part of the journey of our life. And I think it just, at the end of the day, makes us more self-aware, makes us stronger, connects us with some really cool, interesting people. So um, I would just encourage people just, you know, to stay, stay on their journey. Yeah, it's that's such an important part. And I see in my practice where people are jumping from modality to modality to modality because they're fearful of who they'll become without their sickness or without the pain point or the suffering. And so it's like they're almost jumping from one to one instead of just doing the inner work of saying, okay, would it mean to me to actually be healed? Because guys, it takes time. It's a patient process, as you can hear from Vanessa in my story. This was years, right? It took us years to get to the place where we're like, okay, we get what are what works for our body and what doesn't. And there's days that I'm still exploring and looking at, okay, I can really create these different um, experiences that that work with my body differently. And I will try a new practitioner and I'll try new things um, because I'm always exploring and it's it's a constant journey to to just creating and maintaining the the health and well-being of ourselves. And so I absolutely love that. I think it, it definitely takes time and patience and trusting in the process and that um, when you recognize something that doesn't work, I think this is something else so powerful that you mentioned. Like when you recognize something that doesn't work, you know it doesn't work. So be grateful for that and move to the next thing. So, so totally. It's so funny. I'm just looking over at my assistant right now and she's eating and she closed her laptop to eat. (laughs) (laughs) After listening to this, I'm sorry. (laughs) She's like just staring at the wall, like carefully chewing. That's amazing. I like, I, my, for my, my assistants and like my team, I'm like, I'm going to fill. So we have like a co-working sort of kitchen space. I'm like, I'm going to fill the entire fridge with greens and like healthy foods. And you guys eat whatever you want. I'm going to take you, like, I'm going to offer to go to soul cycle in the morning. If you want to come great, I'm going to offer meditation. Great. And like the transformation in my team has been amazing. <laughs> like, oh, like, totally. All, all totally. you have to do is offer it and give them the opportunity. And then as they start to feel better in your body, like, you know, when you start to actually feel the benefits of moving every day and meditating and breathing and taking a break from your work during the day, I have a new policy with my team. I'm like, if you feel stressed at any moment or triggered or having sort of an experience where you don't feel fully in line, like 
take 15 minutes and go meditate, take a few minutes and go breathe. Cause I think that that energy just continues to carry it over and over. So that's so cool that, you, that your assistant's like, yeah. like, I also have a trampoline in my office. So like if blood flow gets a little too stagnant and just like, okay, get up, start jumping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I have to get one of those. Thank you so much for being here. I'm curious if people want to connect with you, talk about your experience, your story, learn more about this nutrition response testing. Where can they find you? I know you're really responsive. So yeah. So my Instagram is at vshoney. I'm really bad at Facebook. I don't know why. I just can't keep up with it. So that's like my only social platform right now. My website is vshoney.com. So it's V-E-E-S honey.com. I do have a YouTube channel that I uploaded some of my Adderall detox videos. I still have to upload like 10 or 12 more days, like to complete the full 30. Um, I just got to find the time to do all of that. But right now, just be honey on Instagram and then my website and my email is info at vshoney.com if you're curious about, you know, Adderall Detox, PCOS or general health info and shoot me an email. Yeah, I'll make sure to drop it all below the episode as well so you guys can connect very easily with Vanessa. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for being in my life and being a friend of mine and being in my community and being here today. I think people are going to get so much value from this podcast and I'm really, really grateful to have had you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sarah. I'm honored. I am so, so grateful for Vanessa's presence on today's podcast. And thank you so much for being here, present and tuned in. As we've heard throughout this podcast, and I have found on my own journey, often the times that we feel the most challenged are the times right before the major growth happens and the healing takes place. I trust that listening to people like Vanessa and the other guests on our cast Surrounding yourself with positive people and focusing on your long-term vision for health will help you to create a supportive environment for you to thrive. This week, I challenge you to trust. Trust that no matter what comes up for you right now, you're going to move through it. Focus on the concept of trust in your own healing process. Take a moment this week to sit down and write a letter to yourself that encourages you to trust when you don't feel the best. Focus on your faith when things feel challenging. Believe in yourself and continue to trust in the synchronicity of all events. If you are called to share, I encourage you to send this episode to one person that you love right now. Remember to acknowledge yourself for being here and showing up for you today. I'm sending you so much love. And until next time, thank you again for being here. And I cannot wait to connect with you next week on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.